right, amen. You can go ahead and grab a seat. Well, good morning and uh, welcome to LifePoint. My name is Matthew and I serve as the teaching pastor here at the Westerville campus. And if today's your first time visiting here at LifePoint, man, we're so glad that you chose to spend your Sunday with us. And we'd love uh, just the opportunity and privilege to connect with you, to get to know you a little bit better. And uh, the easiest way for you to do that Take out your smartphone. There's a QR code on the seat back in front of you. If you'll scan that and complete the guest info section, we'll actually make a $5 donation to one of our local ministry partners in your honor. You get to choose uh, between several different ministries, but we'd love an opportunity just to to get to know you. You'll also find a section called Notes uh, that you can follow along with during today's service. Well, you've picked a great Sunday to be here because it's officially Christmas season here at LifePoint, and it's hard to believe, but Christmas Eve is just three weeks from today. I mean, can you you believe that? I mean, I know some of you, that's a really exciting thought. For some of you, a bit of anxiety just sunk in because you realize you've got a lot to do. Uh, Christmas shopping hasn't even started for you, and we're just three weeks away, but man, we're excited. And look, if you're going to be in town uh, for Christmas Eve, I know a number of you, you travel to go see family, but if you're going to be in town, we would love for you to join us for one of our Christmas Eve services. Uh, because Christmas Eve is actually on a Sunday uh, this year, we're going to be sticking with our normal service times, 9, 1030, and 12, normal Sunday morning schedule. And if you consider LifePoint home, if you say, man, I'm, I'm a member here, or I'm a regular attender, LifePoint Westerville is, is my home church uh, I've got three requests for you this morning uh, in terms of Christmas Eve. Uh, if you can do one of these three, awesome. If you can do all three, you get a gold star in heaven when, when you get there. Uh, but three things that would be a huge help to us as a church and I think would make a, a tremendous difference. The first one is this, and this is probably the simplest out of all of them, is to invite. Invite somebody to this Christmas Eve service. I know you've got family friends, neighbors, coworkers, people in your life who don't know Jesus, people in your life who need hope, who need peace, who need joy, who need Jesus. And uh, Christmas Eve is just such a, an amazing opportunity to invite somebody to church. Plenty of studies have shown that people are more willing during this season, this time of the year, to say yes to an invitation from church than any other time during the year. And oftentimes, people are simply waiting on an invitation from you to say, hey, why don't you come to church with me on Christmas Eve? Sit with me. Sit with my family. We'll save you a seat. And we're going to give you a couple tools to, to do that. Uh, on your way out today, when you exit through the, through the doors on the side, we're going to have some invite cards uh, that you can take. So for those of you who are terrified of talking to people, like that stresses you out, you can literally just slide that card across the table. You can leave it on somebody's desk uh, to invite them. And then also on your way out, you're going to see yard signs that are already stuck in the ground. Uh, Those are not for here at LifePoint. We know we're having Christmas Eve services. (laughs) Those are for you to take out of the ground, take home with you, put in your your yard, but a couple easy tools for, for inviting. So that's the first one. Second one is this is we need people that day who are available to serve because we're still gonna be offering normal kids programming birth through fifth grade. We're still gonna have our connections team in place greeting people on on Christmas Eve and um, we'll have a a number of our normal people serving uh, but we're gonna have some extra needs that day. We're gonna have people who are gone, people who are traveling. So if you don't normally serve or you do normally serve, we would really encourage you to serve a service and to attend a service on, on Christmas Eve. And uh, if you 
uh, are, are interested in serving, you're not a part of that normal rhythm, part of that normal rotation, find somebody on, on staff, let them know you're interested in serving. If you want to serve in kids ministry, look for Mark Shields, look for Amber, look for Lauren. If you want to serve on the Connections team that day, look for the Boslers, look for Dustin. But we would love to get you plugged in serving that day. So inviting, serving, and then here, here's another one. This one's actually pretty, pretty easy too. Uh, but we're going to have our three services, 9, 10, 30, and 12, and it's really hard to, to know what to expect on Christmas Eve because normally Christmas Eve services are in the afternoon, evening. It's going to be in the morning. But my, my, my guess is because it's a Sunday morning, the services that most guests are probably going to be showing up to are the 9 and the 1030. And those are the two services where we have the least amount of space. So we've got a 12 o'clock service that we offer every single week that's by far our, our lowest attended, and we'd love for some of you just for that Sunday to consider attending the 12 o'clock to make space at the 9 and the 10.30 for the number of guests that we have show up that day. Because my, my heart is when they show up here, parking's already going to be a, be a nightmare for them, uh, but I don't want them showing up in this room looking for a seat, not being able to find it, not having their family sit together, so that would be a huge help to us. Invite, serve, and consider attending the 12 o'clock for our Christmas Eve services. So today, we are uh, kicking off our brand new Christmas teaching series called Love's Pure Light, and yes, we ripped that off from the lyrics of, of Silent Night. Uh, throughout Scripture we see this recurring theme of light versus darkness. Or if you're a Star Wars nerd, I'll put in, in your language, the light side versus the dark side. It's this theme that we see all throughout scriptures. In fact, in the opening verses of the Bible, we read about God bringing light out of the darkness. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, it says this, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. So in the very beginning, God said, let there be light. And in his first act of creation, what he did was he separated the light from the darkness. There was a distinction between the two. But what's interesting when you read the creation narrative in Genesis chapter 1 is that the sun was not actually created until day 4 which means that the light that's appearing in day one in the beginning of creation, it's not coming from the sun, it's not coming from some created object, but instead the light was the presence and the glory of God entering into the world. And God said that this light, that his presence in our world, that it was good. But it's not just in, in the creation narrative that we see this connection between light and darkness. We see it in the Christmas story as well. And scripture, the birth of Jesus, it's compared, it's likened to light shining in the dark. Now listen to, to what John writes in the opening chapter of his gospel account. John chapter 1, he says this. In the beginning was the Word. And he's talking about Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So 2,000 years ago, God stepped into his creation. God stepped onto the pages of history, and his tangible, his physical presence here on earth brought light into the world. 
And it says that the darkness of this world, and we live in a very dark, broken world, the darkness has not overcome it. In fact, Jesus declared to to his followers, to his disciples, he said, I am the light of the world. And in him, there is no darkness at all. So we see light in, in creation. When God's glory, God's presence made its way into our world. We see light at Christmas in the birth of Jesus when God stepped out of heaven and came to live among us. But we also see light in, in the salvation experience. Listen to what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him, catch this, who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, in scripture, darkness is is commonly associated with things like ignorance, isolation, danger, and destruction. And to walk in darkness, the Bible tells us, is to walk in spiritual death. But salvation is a call out of the darkness and into the light. And in scripture, light is associated with with knowledge, where our eyes are open. It's associated with with fellowship, with safety. And to walk in the light means to walk in spiritual life. To be saved means to be brought into the light, into the presence of God. And here's what you and I need to understand today, this Christmas season. Our greatest need, your greatest need, my greatest need, is to be brought out of the darkness and into the light. That has been our greatest need since the beginning of time. And this is why light has always been connected with the Christmas season. For hundreds of years, Christians have celebrated something called Advent for the four Sundays prior to Christmas. And Advent, it's a Latin word, a Latin term that literally means coming or arrival. And it's a season where we remember that God came to us, God came to mankind in his son, Jesus. That his arrival 2,000 years ago, it brought light into the darkness. And each week during Advent, a different candle is is lit, representing the light that Jesus brought into the world. So during this series, what we're going to do is we're going to be walking through Colossians chapter 1 together. Uh, So if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to go ahead and open up there to Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to see how the coming of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus, brought us things like hope and joy and peace and faith. And today, as we begin to reflect on the Christmas story, on the Christmas season when light came into the darkness... What we're going to see today is that Jesus brought us hope. That Jesus brought us hope. That's the the main idea for today. If you leave with nothing else uh, today, it's this, is that Jesus, he brought us hope. He offers us hope even today. So in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it opens by saying this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. So the opening verses of Colossians provide us with some important context as to what's going on here. We find out that this letter, it's being written by by Paul. 
an apostle of Christ Jesus. And this is the, the same Paul who wrote many of the, the letters, many of the books we have in the, the New Testament. The same Paul who used to persecute and murder and, and, and arrest Christians because of their faith in Jesus. And who had this conversion, this salvation experience where he was brought into the light. He is the author of this letter. And the letter is being written to the believers who live in the city called Colossae. And Paul describes the, the, the believers there as faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. They are, are, are locked arm in arm together in their belief. They're following Jesus together. And in verse 3, he says this. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all of God's people. So what you'll, you'll notice here is the tone of Colossians, it's a lot different from, from many of Paul's other letters like, like Galatians. Um, he's not coming down on them. He's not rebuking them. He's not discouraged or frustrated with what they're doing and their lack of faithfulness. No, the, the, the contrary is, is true. Paul, he's really encouraged by the reports that he's hearing. He's encouraged by the, the, the faith that they have in Jesus, by the love they have for, for, for God's people. And he's rejoicing. He's praising God because of God's work, God's activity in the city of Colossae and what he's doing here in this church. He's hearing these reports, and he's overjoyed with what God's doing. Man, here's what I, I, I wonder for, for us today. This isn't the, the main point of the message, but when people hear reports of your life, Man, are they overjoyed hearing about your love for God, your faith in him, your love for other people? And when people hear reports about LifePoint, about the Westerville campus, man, are they overjoyed? Are they rejoicing in what they're hearing about what God is doing in and through our church? Paul, he's hearing these reports of these believers, and he's rejoicing because of God's work. And then in verse 5, he says this. The faith and love that spring, catch this, from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel, it's bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it's been doing since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Paul is saying, look, the, the faith that they have in Christ, the love that they have for others, it came from, it sprang up from their hope. A hope that he says is being stored up for them in heaven. A hope that they have found through the message of the gospel and this hope that they've discovered through Jesus. Man, it's changed everything for them. It's changed everything. He says it's bearing fruit, it's, it's growing in their life. So for the next few minutes, I, I, I want us to unpack this idea of, of hope that, that Paul is talking about. This hope that for these believers changed everything about their life. And a hope that if we truly understand it, we truly embrace it, has the potential, it has the opportunity to change everything for us as well. So I want us to look at three questions around this idea of hope. The first one is this, is what is hope? All right, so if we're gonna talk about hope, what, what is it? What does it mean? What, what's the definition? You know, hope is a, a word 
uh, that we tend to use a lot in our language. It's a, a word that we use a lot in conversations. Um, for instance, you know, I hope that when I go to, to Costco, I can find a front row parking spot, um, especially as it gets colder out and I've got two little kids and uh, they're no help at all loading the groceries. I really hope I can find right by the, the, the door and I can come out, unload the cart, get in quickly and uh, get out of there without uh, one of my kids freaking out. I hope I can find front row parking. I hope uh, that it snows on Christmas. Like for me, if it's going to be cold, it better be snowing. And I would love to see a white Christmas for the first time in my life. Uh, I know for some of you, you hope that Jim Harbaugh will just leave for the NFL. Like you're, you're done with this guy. You're over it. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, Chicago or Washington, whoever, just, just take him. You can have him. But hope, it's this, this feeling of, of, of optimism. It's a desire for a certain thing to happen. But if you'll notice, whenever we talk about hope, whenever we use it in our language, there's always this, this sense of uncertainty attached to it. Like the reason we hope is because we're not completely confident that it's going to happen. We aren't sure that things are going to turn out the way we're expecting them to or that we're desiring them to because if we were completely certain, if we were completely confident, if we knew 100%, well, then there wouldn't really be a need for us to say that we hope. You see, as Christians, we believe in a a different kind of hope. And I I love how Peter explains it in, in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Peter says that that through Jesus, he's given us new birth into a living hope and into this promised inheritance, a living hope and a promised inheritance. Now, this inheritance, it's different from the inheritance that someone gets from grandma or grandpa, and then they go and blow it on a cruise or a a new car or TV, and once they spend it, it's gone forever. No, Peter says that this inheritance, it can never perish, spoil, or fade. And what is our inheritance as believers? What is it that we have to, to look forward to? It's eternal life with Jesus, where we will see God face to face, and we will be with him forever. He will be our God. We will be his people. And Peter says that our hope in this future inheritance, in this eternal life that we've been promised, it's connected to the past. It's connected to Jesus' death and his resurrection from the dead. He's saying, look, the reason that we have this living hope today is because we have a living Savior. Jesus, he purchased our inheritance by dying on the cross and coming back to life. He secured our hope through his resurrection. So with, with, with Paul's idea of, hey, we have this hope stored up for us in heaven, and, and Peter's saying our hope is this, this promised inheritance, here's how I would define hope based on what, what Paul and Peter are telling us. Hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised. The confident expectation of what God has promised. This isn't fingers crossed, wish upon a star, roll the dice, let's just see what happens. No, it's the confident expectation of coming good based on the person and the promises of God. 
It's the belief that if God did it then, God will do it again. If God has come before, God is going to return again with our inheritance. This isn't wishful thinking. It's not optimism. It's not positivity. It's confident expectation based off of who God is, his character, and the promises that he's made to us. So that's hope, the confident expectation of what God has promised. So our second question then is this. All right, well, how do, we, how do we find hope? How do we discover it? How do we experience hope in our life? We see, ever since the, the fall of mankind, when sin entered into our world and brought death and pain and suffering, we have been on a search for hope. We've been on a, a search for something that we can count on, for something that is certain and guaranteed and lasting, because as humans... Man, we need something to believe in, don't we? Like, it's not enough for us to just survive. It's not enough for us to just try to get by in life. We need to believe that things are going to get better. We need to believe that there's going to be some kind of good from the pain and suffering in our world. We need to believe that there's a greater purpose and meaning to our life. We've been hardwired. We've been designed to need hope. So what do we do? We, we go looking for, for hope in, in a lot of different things. For some of us, we, we go looking for, for hope in our career, where we try to pursue some kind of job or promotion or title that we feel like is going to give us purpose and meeting and, and satisfaction and recognition. Some of us, we, we look for hope in, in a spouse thinking that we're going to find this, this unconditional love and acceptance, that we're going to be completed by somebody else. Some of us, we look for, for our hope in, in our children, that through them we can leave a, a lasting legacy, that, that our impact will continue, that we'll be remembered beyond just when we pass away. For some of us, we look for hope and human progress, whether that's medicine or technology or, or just some advancements in our world, we feel like, man, things are just gonna be up and to the right. One day, we're gonna work our way to the point where, man, we don't need anything. We're self-sufficient. We're gonna progress. Some of us, we look for hope in our, in our money. It's like, man, if I can just earn a certain amount, if I can just have a certain amount put away in my savings account, if I could just pay off the house, if I just had this much in retirement, then I would be secure, then even if I lost my job, even if the economy tanked, then I'd be okay. We, 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 we try to find status in our money where we're respected. We look for hope and all these things. We come, become convinced that these things are going to give us what we're looking for. But here's the problem. They always leave us disappointed. Like our, our career, no matter how successful we are, no matter how many promotions we get, no matter how much respect and admiration we have from, from, from our peers, our career never truly satisfies us. Our spouse, no matter how amazing and wonderful and perfect that they are, they, they never truly complete us the way that we may hope. Our, our money no matter how much we make, no matter how much we earn and, and save and put away, it never really gives us that true sense of security that we're after. Because what we find is, is none of these things are, are guaranteed in life. 
None of these things are certain. None of these things are lasting. I think the last three years since, since COVID have exposed many of these things that we've placed our hope in, our career, our finances, relationships in our life, they can be taken away in, in, a, in a moment. I mean, just think about how many times have you been disappointed by something that you put your hope in? Something that you were convinced, man, this is going to give me meaning. This is going to give me purpose. This will give me satisfaction. Maybe it was a relationship that you were pursuing. Maybe it was a promotion that you were up for. Maybe it was a purchase that you had on your mind. And maybe it was great for a while. Maybe it gave you the sense of hope that you've been longing for. But eventually it, it lets you down. It disappointed you, just like everything else and everyone else does. And so if these things leave us feeling disappointed, and then where are we supposed to look? Man, what, what, what do we put our hope in? What's going to be guaranteed? What is certain? What is lasting? Look, I, I feel this pressure every week as I come up here and, and talk about Jesus every week to you know, try to say things in a creative and witty way, uh, to, to avoid using just church cliches, uh, but I think that the answer to this is incredibly simple and straightforward. It's Jesus. It's that, that Sunday school answer that the five-year-olds today are, are giving out to every question that they're asked. It's, it's, it's Jesus. Our hope in this life is tied to the person and the work of Jesus. Now think back with me for, for a minute to, to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. In that moment, God made them this, this promise that through Eve's offspring would one day come this Savior, this Messiah, who would crush the head of the serpent, who would put an end to sin and death and brokenness, who would bring light into the darkness. And this promised Savior, this promised Messiah, has been the source of hope from the very beginning. And for thousands of years, people waited expectantly and with anticipation that one day this Messiah, this Savior that had been promised, would come. And this is what we celebrate during the Christmas season, the fulfillment of this promise made to Adam and Eve when God came to earth as Jesus. When light came into the darkness, Jesus was the promised Messiah. And he has always been and always will be our source of hope in this life. Our only hope is the person and the work of Jesus. He's the only thing that won't disappoint. He's the only thing that won't let us down. But here's the third question, because I, I don't want us to stop short there. I think oftentimes in church we can talk about, okay, that's a, a great idea, but in your head you're like, okay, well, so, so what? What does that mean? What does that look like? So here's the third question. And what difference does hope make today? Okay, if hope is the confident expectation uh, based on what God has promised, and if Jesus is our hope, man, what difference does that make in my life today? How does that change things? You see, Advent isn't just a season where we look back and remember. It's also a season where we look forward with expectation. Because we find ourselves living in what I call the, the in-between where Jesus has already come once, but Jesus is also gonna come again. And right now, we are in the middle of, of these two. 
So during the Advent season, yes, we look back at the original Christmas and we remember that God came to dwell among us, that God came as one of us, but we also look forward with expectation. I mean, our whole Revelation series was us looking forward with expectation, anticipation to the fact that Jesus is one day gonna return again with our inheritance, that he will come and dwell with us forever. And it is our hope, it's our hope that connects the two comings of Jesus. We have hope because Jesus came once, and we have hope because Jesus is gonna come again. But listen, here's what we need to understand. Our hope, it's not just about some future event that one day is gonna happen. And our hope's not just about an event that happened 2,000 years ago. Our hope, it's about today. Our hope changes the way that we live our lives right now. See, hope changes the way that, that you and I walk through trials in life. Whether it's a, a cancer diagnosis, whether it's an unexpected job loss, whether it's tension and conflict in your family, when, when we have this hope, when we have this confident expectation of what God has promised, it changes the way that we walk through hardships in life. We don't view these things as just a random coincidence. We don't view these things as God is punishing me, but we realize God is working in my life to refine me. God is working to grow my faith. God is working to bring about my good and his glory. Hope changes the way that we walk through trials. Man, hope changes the way that we grieve. Changes the way that we grieve. I remember I was in, in seventh grade, and one of my, my good friends at school, her dad unexpectedly committed suicide. And this was really the, the first time in my life where I was kind of up close and personal with, with somebody I knew who had, had passed away. And I, I remember attending that, that funeral, probably the, the, the biggest funeral I've ever been to. And just the sense of hopelessness there. Because this man didn't, didn't know Jesus. And just the, the brokenness that my friend and her family fell into in the following months and years. As her mom pursued different addictions, as the family was, was split apart, and I, I just looked at the way that they, they grieved without hope. And then it was just a couple years later when, when I was a freshman in high school and my dad passed away unexpectedly from, from a heart attack. And I looked at the way that, that my mom processed and grieved. And yes, there was, was hurt and there was sadness and there was confusion and there was frustration. But the way she grieved, the way we grieved was so different than my friend and her family. Because there was hope. There was the confident expectation of what, what God had promised. Changes the, the way that we grieve, man. It, it, it changes our priorities in life. Man, if we have this hope in this future inheritance, if we have this, this hope in, in eternity, man, it, it better change the way that we spend our time. It better change the way we spend our, our resources. It better spend the, change the way that, that we think about our priorities in life. We focus on the things that have eternal value. Man, it changes the way that, that we wait. And seasons where, where we're frustrated because we're not where we feel like we should be, whether it's we feel like we should be married and we haven't met the right person, or we feel like we should be parents, 
but we haven't had children yet, or we feel like, man, I'm ready for that next step in my career, and no doors are opening. Man, when we have hope, it changes the way that we wait, because we wait with patience, knowing that God is working, God is doing something in us. Our hope in Jesus, man, it changes everything for us. It changes everything. And so here's the question that I want to leave you with today, a question that I want you to to consider as we enter into this Christmas season. Man, where have you placed your hope? Where have you placed your hope? I mean, honestly, because I I, I know you're you're tempted to give the the right church answer and say say Jesus. I think most of us intellectually would say that, but, but truly, honestly, where have you placed your hope? How, how, how do you identify this? How do you know? Let me, let me give you a few questions to, to think about and to consider as you, you reflect on this question. Here's one. Who or what do you look to for your security in life? Do you look to your career, your bank account, your, your, your home, your 401k? Or do you look to Jesus for your security? Who or what do you look to for your identity? Do you look to, to your spouse or your, your, your job or your hobbies to, to, for your identity? Or do you look to, to Jesus? Who or what do you look to for your happiness? And what, what are the things that you turn to to, to fill your heart with, with joy? Is it pleasure? Is it golf? Is it just you know, fun activities and adventure? Or man, do you look to Jesus? And who or what do you look to for your purpose? Like when you think about why why you are here, your meaning, your purpose in life, man, who or what do you look to? Listen, anything other than Jesus is going to leave you disappointed. And you can either figure that out now or you can spend years chasing and pursuing all these things, placing your hope in all these things and find that they leave you empty. Now, I know during the, the Christmas season that, that most of us would probably say, man, I could use a little more hope right now. And there's some, some darkness in my life. Listen, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to bring us hope. And one day, Jesus is gonna return again to bring us hope, to be with us forever. That that, that inheritance that we've been promised, he's going to to, to come again with. That's what our our, our hope is, the confident expectation of what what God has promised. Man, but maybe for for some of you today, man, there's never been a time, there's never been a moment in your life where you have truly placed your hope in, in Jesus. And you've been placing your hope in different things and different people and have continued to be let down and disappointed over and over again. And today, man, today is the time, it's the moment for you to place your hope in the one person who will not disappoint you. And we have a living hope because we have a living Savior. We have this, this, this inheritance, this eternal life because of what Jesus did by coming and dying and rising from the dead. And the Bible says that by faith, by trusting and believing what Jesus has done for us, we can receive this free gift of eternal life. We can walk out of this room. We can spend the Christmas season with true hope because of what Jesus has done for us. So with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, 
Man, before we pray, I just want to make mention of our, uh, an area in the back of our room called, called Next Steps. Man, we have people from our, our team there. Um, and whether you need somebody to pray with you, uh, maybe you, you need to, to pursue baptism, maybe you need to make a decision to, to trust in Jesus for the first time today, we have people on our team who would love to have a conversation with you about what it means to find and to experience true hope in this life. So Jesus, we thank you that you are our hope. God, that 2,000 years ago, you wrapped yourself in flesh and you stepped onto the pages of history. You stepped into our mess, into our brokenness, into the darkness, and you were the light to the world. And that in you, there is no darkness at all. God, that the darkness trembles because of you. And God, we hold on to that truth today. God, we thank you for the hope that we have through your son, Jesus, and the promise that he's coming again. God, during this Christmas season, as we walk through darkness, as we're surrounded by darkness in our life, God, keep, help us to keep our eyes on the light. Help us to keep our eyes on the hope that we have in Jesus. It's in your name that we pray and that we ask these things. Amen.